So you're in John chapter 1. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Brand started this series on extraordinary lives. And you know, the Bible says that God gives us examples. The Bible has stories in it. And the stories in the Bible are so we can learn. So we can read those stories and see what they did right, see what they did wrong, see how, how they position themselves to get blessed by God. These lives, these stories are so that we can learn and help us whenever we're fe- dealing with life situations to know exactly how to respond, how to react and how to position ourselves so we can get blessed. Amen. And, and Pastor Brandon talked about the life of, uh, of Joshua and how God uh, blessed Joshua and his relationships. And then we, uh, then, uh, Pastor Kelly talked about the life of Joseph and how, how Joseph, uh, kept his attitude, his heart right. And, and what was, what was lemons became lemonade for him and he prospered and he was blessed. Pastor Rob talked about, uh, you know, that, that beloved John, that disciple, one of the, one of the twelve. And so today I want to just continue with with the 12 and I want to talk about uh, we're going to study the life of Peter. And I feel like I got more sermon than I got time, but I'm going to do my best to get through it. But Peter was another one of those ordinary men that God used in an extraordinary way. And then that's God's. He's a master at using nothing and making something out of it. Amen. He can take water and he can make it wine. Amen. He can take a little bit of bread and fish, bless it, and he can feed a multitude of people. That's who God is. And so to begin with this morning, for those who may not familiar, be familiar with the life of Peter, I want to begin with a basic introduction to his life, a snapshot, if you would, of Peter's life. The first time we see Peter's name in the Gospels, we, we, uh, or they're mentioned in the Gospels, it's actually whenever he, uh, he, gets, he gets saved, he, he becomes a Christian, he gives his life and he, and he surrenders to Christ. It's his introduction to Christ. We know that Peter was a fisherman and, uh, and he was from this fishing village called Bethsaida and, uh, and he had a brother named Andrew and uh, he was also a fisherman and they were both disciples of John the Baptist. And the Bible says in John 1, Philip, uh, was from Bethsaida and Andrew and Peter's hometown. So, so Peter was from, his hometown was Bethsaida. But although that's where he was from, we know that he later moved to a fishing village called Capernaum. And it was there in that fishing village that Peter gets introduced to Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 1 and verse 35, it says the following day, John was was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. And Pastor Rob talked about that, about John having revelation that Jesus was the Lamb of God. Verse 37, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said. And then he followed Jesus. So here's Andrew's conversion. Verse 41. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. 
Now, I know this message is about the life of Peter, but I just want to take a moment to just talk about Andrew and John for just a moment. Because as you notice in verse 40, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. And so we see, as you can see, John's testimony and influence caused Andrew to get saved. And then Andrew turns around and he reaches out to Peter and introduces Peter to Jesus. So listen, here's the point. Everything we're going to study about the life of, of Peter today is really, is really because John and Andrew were serving God and they were being responsible in their spiritual journey. Amen. And so, you know, it was John and Andrew's relational influence that caused Peter to get saved. It caused Peter to come into the kingdom. And you know, the fact is most people that come to know Christ, it's not because they come to church and hear a preacher, but you know, every, just about 90% of, of the population, if you interviewed them and say, how did you become a Christian? It's directly related to relational influence of families and friends. Amen. And so listen, this is what this means. This means wherever you are, where, as you live for Christ, wherever you are, you can have an impact and you can make a difference. Amen. That's why we encourage you to invite people to come to our special events and come to church service because, you know, if, you know, just on, on our own, you know, they will say, I don't know who these people are over there. I don't know what they're doing over there. But if you say, hey, this is a good place to come, it's safe there. They liable to come through the doors, encounter Christ, and become a, a Christian. Amen? And so I believe, uh, I believe that uh, God wants to use you to leverage your influence and reach people. That's the way that he does it. Y'all agree with that? If you agree, say amen. Now, if you notice in verse 42, Jesus immediately changes Peter's name. Verse 42, he says, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, Peter's given name was Simon. But as soon as he gets introduced to Jesus, Jesus says, I'm changing your name. I'm changing your name. Now, he says, you're going to be Peter. Peter means rock. It means strength. It means stability. And so, you know, right away, Jesus says, hey, you're not going to be the person you were before. You're going to be somebody different. Amen. And I believe there's great significance in that, that when Jesus, when somebody comes to Christ, they're not going to be the same anymore. They're going to be different. Amen. Isn't it true that Jesus specializes in changes people's lives? Isn't that true? How many of you could testify to that, that Jesus specializes in changing lives? And I'm a testimony of that right here. And so Jesus immediately changes his name. You know, Jesus is master at taking a shepherd boy and not just getting him saved, making him a king. He can take a prostitute and make him a virtuous woman. He can take somebody that is a nobody and make somebody out of him. He can take people that are failures and he can make them a success. Amen. He can take a violent murderer, change them, turn them around and make them such a gentle and kind and compassionate person. You know, when people look at, at us and they will, they will hold us, they will hold liable, hold us liable for everything we've ever done. They don't know the power of the gospel to change people's lives. But I'm here to tell you, Peter is a great example and a great encouragement to us that no matter where you are, where you've been, Jesus Christ can change your life around and he could take you even if you're in a, a shepherd's boy and he can make you a king. Amen. Now, not only does Peter encounter Christ, but he's later called in the ministry. 
Peter's calling in the ministry, if you if you look, uh, as you follow his life, weeks later, Peter's, after his initial conversion, he's walking on the shores of Galilee, and he encounters Jesus the second time. And in, in Luke chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds were pressing in on him to listen to the Word of God. Now, now pay attention to, to Peter's name as it comes up. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing the nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, here's Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night, all last night, didn't catch a thing. But if you, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners uh, in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. How many of you know that's supernatural right there? That's miraculous right there. And then verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed the net, everything, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Now, so first Jesus changes Peter's name. He's not going to be the same person anymore. Whenever you start following Christ and the, and the Spirit of God comes in you and you begin to follow the principles of God, you're not going to be the same person anymore. Jesus is going to change your life. But not only does he change his name, he begins to change his occupation. And he says, listen, your occupation is not going to be a fisherman of fish anymore. It's going to be a fisherman of souls. Jesus replied in verse 10, don't be afraid from now on. You're going to be fishing for people. So his occupation changed from a natural fisherman to a spiritual or a supernatural fisherman. Now, I don't know if you get this. I don't know if you get this inside your spirit yet. But as a child of God, you're the carrier of the presence of God. And everywhere you go, you are bringing the presence of God where you go. And the Lord wants to use you to help introduce others to Jesus Christ. He wants to use you to be a reflection of Jesus to those who don't yet know him. Just like John reached Andrew and Andrew reached Peter. God wants to use you, my brother. He wants to use you, my sister, to reach others for the gospel. You have a higher calling than you've ever had before when you become a Christian. Amen? And so listen, obviously Peter was hungry for God. God met him, called him into ministry. And listen, Ministry, sometimes we get confused. We think, well, that means you're a pastor, a prophet, or apostle, or something like that. But no, a minister means you're an ambassador for Christ. You're a representative for Christ. When people look at us, and they see something different about us, and they see what's on the inside of us, they, they begin to hunger. And they begin to want to get drawn closer to Jesus. Amen? So Peter's life begins with a conversion. He gets called into, into ministry, his disciple. But his spiritual journey doesn't stop there. It continues on. Peter becomes one of Jesus' prominent leaders. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, we see uh, Peter being selected by Jesus to be one of his 12 
apostles. In Matthew 10, 2, it says, Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, John his brother, and then the list goes on. But I want you to know this. Matthew says, the first was Simon Peter. Now that word doesn't mean just one of twelve. Like one, two, three, four, up to twelve. What the word really means in the original language, it means this, the foremost in order of importance. So this is what it really means. In other words, Peter was listed first because he was the most important one. He was chosen to not just be an apostle. He was the leader of the apostles. He was the he was the ringleader. Amen. You'll see the list of disciples four different times, three times in the Gospels, one in the book of Acts. And every time the first person that's mentioned is Peter. Peter was chosen to be the leader of the group of apostles. Peter was no ordinary man. He was an extraordinary person. The list of accomplishments. I mean, you know, he was one of the three that got to experience Jesus's transformation on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was one of only three. It was Peter that had the opportunity to walk on water. I haven't heard anybody else yet that was, has been able to walk on water. Some have claimed they have because they were so scared, but Peter walked on water. Remember, it was Peter that preached that powerful sermon after the ascension of Jesus and 3,000 people get saved in one day. It was Peter that had the privilege of writing two of the epistles that we hold in our Bibles. It was Peter that received that special revelation of who Jesus was. In Matthew 16, 18, it says, I say to you, speaking to Peter, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, the revelation that Peter got, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Peter was just an, was just an ordinary man that God turned into an extraordinary person. Now listen, Peter possessed great leadership characteristics. But he also possessed personal challenges. And you know, if there's anybody that encourages me, is studying the life of Peter. And you know what I love about the Bible, as you study the life of Bible characters, they don't just tell you about the good stuff. They tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that encourages me, amen? They say, okay, you know what that tells me? God don't need a perfect person to use them, amen? He doesn't need somebody that's got it all together to be used. He just needs somebody that's willing. So Peter's leadership characteristics, he was he was a leader. You know, we know that Peter was hungry. He was hungry to learn. He was hungry to know more. And, you know, it was Peter that asked more questions than anybody. I mean, he was always asking questions. In, in Matthew chapter 15, in verse 15, Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people are defiled by what they eat. You know, he he heard Jesus said people are not are, people are. are um, or not defiled by what they eat, they defile by what they say. And he says, oh, time out. Can you explain that to me? What does that mean? People are not. I thought we were not supposed to eat pork. I thought we weren't supposed to eat these things. This was going to defile us. He explained this to me. And then in Luke 12 and verse 41, Peter said, Lord, is that illustration that you told? Is that just for us or is that for everyone? You know, Help us make application of that illustration you gave. Matthew 18, 21. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? I mean, 
have I fulfilled the obligation if I just finally forgive them seven times, but after that, I just hold animosity towards them and I'm ready to take their head off. Is that cool, Lord? Or do I have to forgive them beyond that? I want to know, Lord. I want to know, what does it take to be a follower of you? Matthew 19, 27, Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. Lord, what are we going to get in return? I mean, look, we're paying a high price here. I mean, I left my nets, Lord. I left my business. I left my occupation to follow you, Lord. I know you're going to, you're going to give me a better business. You're going to, you're going to give me a financial windfall. Lord, what are we going to get for following you? Peter was, he was full of questions. He wanted to know. He was hungry to gain knowledge. How many of you know that leaders are made it, made of people who are hungry? God uses people who are hungry to grow, who are willing to ask questions and say, Lord, help me understand this. Help me figure this out. What does it take to serve you? What does it take to live for you? Because I know that's the best way to live my life. So listen, here's the life application, the life lesson. If you want to be a leader and be used of God, you need to have a hunger for God. You can't you can't get complacent. You can't get apathetic. You got to continue to press in. You got to continue to hunger for God. Amen. Now, Peter had not only did um, he have a hunger, but he had he had great drive and personal ambition. He was a self starter. I mean, you didn't have to you didn't have to pull him up and say, come on, Peter, do something. Peter was ready to do something. In fact, sometimes he was too ready to do something. Right. But remember when Jesus, Peter, James, and John went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus was transformed and then Elijah and Moses show up and Peter's like, man, whoa, this is incredible. Look, Jesus is getting transformed here. Man, Elijah and Moses have been gone for a long time and they're here. This is incredible. And so Peter says, Lord, you want me to build some altars? Come on, let's build some altars, Lord. Come on, let's make this a let's make this a worship service right here. He was ready to do something. He was ready to get involved. Peter was a take charge kind of guy. He was ready to get his hands dirty and do something. Amen. Remember the night Jesus went to meet the disciples on the sea. They were in the boat. It was that night. They were out on the sea. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. And so Peter's there, and and and, and you know that of course they're they're like. You know, they're frightened. This guy's walking on water. Who is that? And Peter, you know, he, you remember what he says? He says, hey, Lord, if you'll tell me to come out of this boat, I'm going to come and meet you. I'm going to walk on this water. The Bible says in Matthew 14, 26, when the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on water towards Jesus. You know, when we read that story, a lot of times we say, you know, Peter walked on water, but he sank and we criticize him for sinking. Well, at least he got out of the boat. Amen. There were, there were a boat full of people there. Only one of them got out of the boat. So let's give him credit for taking initiative. Amen. Let's give him credit for, for being a, a, a self-starter. And you know, some people say, man, I want to be used of God. I want to do something for God. And God's saying, get out of the boat. Take a step. Be initiator. 
take, take the initiative to go do something for me. And you know what? I'm going to show up. I'm going to help you walk on water. Amen? If you want to make a difference for God, you have to get off, off your hands. You got to do something. Peter motivates us and he inspires us to get up off the spiritual couch and do something for Jesus. Amen? We can live our life saying, one day, one day, one day, and another day, and another day, and another day goes by. And we sit on our hands and never do something for Jesus. So now, although Peter possessed the kind of ingredients that leaders are made of, he also had some personal challenges as well that he had to work through. If you know Peter, you know he had some issues, right? And this is where I get encouraged here that he don't need a, you know, John, the God, the, the disciple of John, he was like the diamond, you know, Peter, he's the rock. He's the stone. He's got the jagged edges. You know, he's the rough dude. You know, he's the stinky fisherman. You know, he's the one that, that, that has the personal issues. And, and he has these character issues, these personal challenges. And one of these challenges he has is the, is the lesson, uh, he learns some powerful lessons along the ways he's walking with Jesus. But one of the lessons he learns is the lesson of submission. And listen, God can't use a rebellious, obstinate, stubborn, hard-hearted person. He needs somebody that is willing to follow his lead and submit to his authority and follow his orders. Amen. But you remember in John 13, uh, so he got up from the table and he took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He pulled water in a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples feet, drying them with a the towel he had around them. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, here's Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Are you planning on washing my feet? Verse 7, Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And Peter says, no. He tells Jesus, no. Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. But he's telling the Lord, oh, you're not doing this. Well, wait a minute. He's the Messiah. Peter, you're one of his disciples. You're one of his apostles. And he said he's going to wash your feet. No, he's not. But he had this thing in him that didn't want to submit, that didn't want to yield. And so Peter had to learn submission to authority. Not an easy lesson for a leader. Not an easy lesson for somebody that's a take charge kind of guy. But nevertheless, a lesson that we have to learn. How many of you know the Lord always honors submission to authority? He always honors submission to the authority of Christ. God blesses somebody who's willing, yet strong, but yet meek enough to submit to authority whenever they are around it. Amen? And Peter had to learn that lesson. A second character lesson Peter had to learn was this. Lesson of personal restraint. Peter was a disciple that had the rough edges and he was like, you know, he, you know, he, he knew how to put his foot in his mouth. He knew how to get in trouble quick with his mouth. But, you know, self-control, moderation, personal restraint are not the characteristics that most leaders possess. You know, leaders have strength and they take charge kind of people. But sometimes the very thing that is their strength is also their weakness. But, you know, those that self-control, that moderation, personal restraint, these are characteristics that we have to have to be used of God. But they're not necessarily characteristics that leaders have. 
but characteristics that we must possess if we want to be used of God. And Peter was one of these guys that he was, you know, he was the guy, I think, that made Jesus nervous everywhere they went. You know, they walked in a place and here's the disciples and, and Jesus is like, where's Peter? Where's Peter? You know, Peter, just be quiet. Okay, stay right there. You know, because Peter had trouble with personal restraint. Remember when the Roman soldiers came to arrest Jesus and uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane? And, and the Bible says one of his disciples cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. And then Jesus had to take the ear and, you know, he had to heal his ear. Well, most theologians believe that that had to be Peter. You know, that had to be Peter. And, they, you know, I heard, I read one guy said that, you know, the reason why he cut off his ear is the guy probably ducked. Peter was probably going for his neck. But he's just like, I got this, Jesus. He's coming down. And Jesus is like, oh, hold up, Peter. Put your sword back in your, in your sheath. Hold on here. But that's who Peter was. And, and, uh, and Jesus had to, had to help him. He had to temper his behavior. You know what? Jesus has to work on our behavior as well. And he's, he's faithful to help us. And, um, and, and Jesus, um, Jesus had to rebuke him one time. Remember that? Uh, when Jesus was telling the disciples that he, what he was going to endure at the cross, he was going to the cross, he was going to die. And Peter takes him aside and he reprimands Jesus. He says, oh, no, you're not. You're not going to the cross. And so Jesus, in Matthew 16, 21, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders. But leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him from saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, said, this will never happen to you. But now listen, you know Peter's heart was right. He didn't want to lose Jesus. But sometimes your heart can be to do the right thing, but you do it in the wrong way. And this was, this was Peter. Verse 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now imagine being in love with your master, being one that he picked out of 12, and he calls you Satan. How crushing that must have been. But listen, sometimes we need rebukes. We need to be rebuked about our behavior because that's the way that we change. A rebuke from a friend is better than a kiss from an enemy. And sometimes we just need a fresh rebuke. Amen. And hopefully not called Satan like Peter. But imagine Peter. Imagine what he felt like. These personal rebukes, though, were what helped fashion and form the man that Peter became. Finally, a third character lesson Peter had to learn was this, the lesson of personal humility. You know, somebody said many, uh, maybe one of the greatest besetting sins of leadership is the sin of pride. The tendency to think more highly of oneself than you ought to think. You know, when you're a leader, when you have people following you, your leadership praising you, looking up to you, admiring you. It's easy to believe their report and to be overcome by pride and arrogance. And the sin of pride was one of Peter's personal challenges. Remember when Jesus was visiting his disciples and he was prophetically telling them of his death and resurrection and he tells them that they would all forsake him. 
It was that time that the, that spirit of pride rose up in Peter. It was that time that that arrogance rose up. And he says, not me. Maybe these other weaklings, but not me. I'm going to the end. And in Matthew 26, 30, 31, on the way Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And Peter declared, declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Got to be careful when you say never. Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You would deny three times that you know me. And Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will, here's the word again, never deny you. Listen, you can't say never. We can't say never. We got to say, Lord willing. We got to say, if the Lord gives me the grace, but not, I never will do this or do that, right? And so Peter is in the crowd watching from a distance. As they arrest Jesus, as he's betrayed and arrested, and he's now before the council and they're questioning him and everybody's around and Peter's in the crowd and watching from a distance what's happening. And this little servant girl recognizes him and points him out. Matthew 26, 69. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilee. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Verse 71, later, later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. Verse 37, I mean 73. Little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. They could tell that Cajun accent he had. Verse 74, Peter swore. A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. This was a breaking point in Peter's life. This was a special time Peter had to face. His personal character issues. They came to a head right here. Can I tell you something? Sooner or later, we're going to have to face our character issues. Sooner or later, we're going to have that moment. And although Peter had encountered Jesus in salvation, and he followed his call in the ministry, Peter still had some personal character issues that needed to be dealt with. The besetting sin of pride and arrogance had to be dealt with. The problem of rebellion and self-reliance and lack of personal restraint had to be dealt with in Peter's life. Peter had to go through the valley of brokenness before God could truly use him in the way he wanted to use him. Some great man of God says, I I doubt that God can use somebody mightily until they're broken. But Peter had to go to the valley of brokenness. Peter's defining moment came in his darkest hour. Can I tell you, sometimes our, our greatest moment comes in our darkest hour. 
Our greatest springboard of going from failure to success happens in our darkest hour. Hey, listen, be encouraged today. You might be in the valley. You might be struggling. Well, that might be the best time for God to do some miracle in your life. Amen. In Matthew 26, 75, Peter's breakthrough came in this darkest hour of failure. The Bible says in 75, he went away weeping bitterly. Peter was a broken man after his failure. He denied Christ. He denied the person he loved. But you know what? His failure became that springboard. Come on, how many of you can look back at your life and say, you know, some of the darkest times of my life have been also the greatest times of my life. Although I hurt so bad, yet it was at that time of hurt that God brought me to levels of maturity that had never been in in all my life. See, we need to start looking at the valleys, not as a, as a foe, but as a friend that God can use to transform our life. And that's what he did for Peter. Amen? In John chapter 12 and verse 21, it says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Obviously, this verse was about Jesus' death. But you know what's true of us? The more we decrease, the more he increases and the more lives that are changed around us. You know what's standing in the way of us having a better life? Us. You know, somebody said if you could kick the person most responsible for your problems, you, you, would, you couldn't sit for a week, you would kick yourself. Amen. And so listen, the next time we see Peter is in Acts chapter 2. After this moment of brokenness where he denies Jesus three times, he shows up in Acts chapter 2, in verse 14. Then Peter, remember after the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came. People were being filled with the Spirit. People thought they were drunk. They were, you know, they didn't know what was going on. They said, man, what is happening? People are drunk already. It's just 10 o'clock in the morning. And Peter, Peter's broken now. And he stands up. In verse 14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning, much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And he starts to preach the gospel. He stands up in the crowd against the very ones that crucified Jesus. And he tells them, let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you who's this guy that you crucified. Amen. With great boldness and conviction, he stands up and he testifies about Jesus. Why? He's a broken man. He's been broken in the presence of God. His selfishness, his self-restraint, his rebellion is all broken now. Now he's usable in God's hand and God's anointing comes on him. And he preaches a powerful message and verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 souls. Hey, revival is going on. Amen. Peter is being used of God. So Peter went from being prideful, arrogant, self-reliant, and Christ-denying, and he becomes this humble, bold servant of God that the power of God comes on. Listen, the power of God was on Peter so much that in Acts 5.15 it says, as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought into the streets on beds and mats so Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Oh my goodness, can you imagine having so much anointing and the presence 
presence of God on your life, that when people come under your shadow, they receive a miracle. That's what happened to Peter. He's a mighty man of God. But it starts, transformation starts when he goes to the valley of brokenness. Personal brokenness is the springboard for fruitfulness. What is brokenness? It's not an emotional experience where you break down crying. It's not whenever you become depressed or sad. Brokenness is the shattering of our self-will. It's the shattering of our self-reliance, our self-dependency, the person that just pops up and mouths off without having the restraint of the Spirit of God on them. Brokenness is the stripping of self-reliance. It's the softening of the prideful heart into a compassionate, gentle, humble servant. That's what God's looking for. In Psalm 51, verse 16, the servant David, he says, you, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God. You will not despise. What did James says? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In a contrite heart is a heart that has been softened and humbled and is yielded to the Holy Spirit's power. In Isaiah 57 and 15, it says the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the Holy One, says this. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. Let me ask you, how many of you want Jesus to live where you are? How many of you want to live where Jesus is. How many of you want to see God's power manifested in your life? Peter was an ordinary man that God used in an extraordinary way as he served God and he, and he got rebuked and he went through the hardships of failure and, and, and mess ups and, and, and did the wrong thing. All of that produced in Peter a broken man, a broken and contrite heart that God was able to use to the point that 3,000 in one day are getting saved. Man, I am so encouraged by Peter. You know, Peter wasn't raised in this perfect Christian home with this incredible amount of godly character with no problems in his life, no problems in his personality. It was just the opposite. He was the rough and the gruff and the, and the, de- the guy who didn't have it all together. But God took that guy and he put him on in his laboratory of training and he brought Peter to places that many of us here today would only dream to go to. Amen? But here's the encouragement. Regardless of where you are today, there's great hope for you. Amen? There's great hope for every one of us that regardless of where we are, God can work in our life as we submit to Him and yield to Him. He is able to do in our lives what we never dreamed possible. If you're going through failure right now, I want you to know your failure is not final. The Master is involved and He will take your failure and He will use your lemonade. I mean your lemons and He will make lemonade out of it. He will take your all your failures and he will combine them into one big blessing and he will shoot you into his destiny and do everything he planned and purposed to do in your life. Y'all agree with this? If you do, say amen. 
Come on, would you stand with me? And come on, let's present ourselves before God today. And just say, God, break me. Lord, I want a broken, a contrite heart. Lord, I want everything in me that is stopping me and hindering me from being used of you. Lord, soften it, sand it, smooth it over. Lord, break the character flaws. Lord, break the stubbornness out of me. God, I want to be used of you. Come on. Come on, how many of you right now, you just feel like you're in that wine press of brokenness. Let me just see your hands. Just raise your hand and say, I feel. Come on, if you're raising your hands, just come up to the altar. Just come up to the altar and just submit to God. Kneel if you have to. Just say, God, I'm submitting to your process right now. I'm yielding to your process. I'm going to quit looking at the, at the thorn in my side and say, God, what do you want to do with this thorn? What do you want to do with this circumstance? What do you want to do with this situation? Lord, I want, I want greater anointing in my life. I want greater uh, filling of your spirit in my life. And I'm willing, God, to submit to your process. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that today, that you're encouraging hearts in here. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're not through yet. That, God, you don't need some silver tongue and some polished personality to use in a great way. Lord, you use those that are the weakest to confound the Lord, the foolish. Lord, you use those that feel like they have nothing to offer and you take that person and you make that person the king. Father God, I pray today that over this house that you would release your power, release your anointing and release your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Lord, you're causing the spirit of God and the grace of God and the power of God to begin stirring hearts right now. Lord, those that have anger problems, I thank you that, Lord, you're breaking that stronghold, Lord. Lord, those that have a problem with their mouth, Lord, I thank you that you're breaking, Lord, the hardness of their heart and their tongue is coming into the, Lord, the submission of the Spirit of God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that those that are living in relational conflict, Lord, because of their pride, I thank you, God, that you bring in humility into their heart today and that, God, you release releasing your spirit and your power and your presence, oh God. Lord, I thank you, Father, that revelation, that knowledge, Lord, is coming to us today. Knowledge of the Holy One. Knowledge of the King. Thank you, Lord. Can we just have a few altar workers just come and pastors just begin to pray for those that are up here. Come on, how many of you want to be used in a greater way? How many of you want God to just touch you and God to work in you? Come on, let's just open up our heart right now. Listen, this is not through. Just close your eyes with me for a moment. You know what I feel right now? I feel right now this message is going right over the head of somebody. You say, that don't even pertain to me. And you don't recognize that some of the problems you're having in your life is because of your obstinacy, because because of your rebellion. But God is wanting to temper you. Just be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. I don't want to fight. I want to submit. I want to surrender. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I'm praying today that the power of God is released over this house like never before. Amen. Come on. If Peter's shadow can can bring healing to somebody, 
Well, bless God, I believe maybe we can lay hands on somebody and they get healed. Amen. Come on, if Peter could preach a sermon and 3,000 souls are saved, well, bless God, I believe we might be able to reach one for the Lord. Amen. So let's ask God to fill us with his power today. Father, thank you for the empowering of your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for the release of a greater anointing on every heart and on every life today. In the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody that agreed said amen. 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 Well, God bless you. I hope you I hope you receive this message today. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here to pray. If not, God bless you. Love you. Good to be with you today. Have a great day and be blessed as you go.